Technology, politics, and the economy are changing fast. No time to keep up with all the policies affecting your everyday life and figuring out fact from fiction? Not even sure where God could fit in all of this? Don't worry, I've got your back. I'm here to dig a little deeper into the issues of the day. And most importantly, to show you the spiritual principles and solutions we can use to rise above it all victoriously for your family's success. Stay tuned as we discover God's plan for our life on earth as it is in heaven. I've been talking in recent weeks about the Ruo Commission in Canada concerning the invoking of the Emergency Measures Act in response to the protest in Ottawa, the Freedom Convoy, last January and February. I'm not doing this because I think it was riveting reading, but I think it's a good example of what can go wrong in our modern democracies. And I thought it could serve as a warning for us all to be diligent about our governments. I believe as Christians, we are not exempt from this diligence. In fact, as having access to greater wisdom and greater power from above, we have a greater responsibility to look out for our fellow citizens. And as we walk in the light and are people of the day in the light, we can see things maybe that others can't and to wake them up so that they can see what is happening in the spiritual realm as well as in the physical realm, so that they can see the importance and the implications of it. So, after hearing all of the police forces testified before the commission that this Emergency Measures Act was not necessary, on page 273, Commissioner Ruo states that it was necessary after all. It came as no surprise to many, given his similar views to the ruling government Liberal Party. He was unbiased enough to say that if the government hadn't completely mishandled the whole situation in the first place, it wouldn't have even gotten to that point. He also acknowledged in the report that an informed, reasonable person could come to a very different conclusion than he had. And I do. I also completely disagree with his solution. His solution is more coordination between police because they couldn't seem to decide or agree on what to do about Trudeau's demands to remove the protesters when they had no tools, i.e. laws that they could enforce by which they could arrest anyone because the protesters weren't breaking any laws. So the various police departments were not on the same page about what to do and who was responsible to do anything. My reading of the situation from hearing from these various different sources was they basically disagreed on how to deal with political interference. It got so bad that Ottawa police chief ended up being forced to resign. Commissioner Rulo's Second big solution is to have more surveillance of citizens to better determine ahead of time who are the ones with unacceptable views, in Justin Trudeau's words, to determine the threat level. The problem was, the politicians were saying the threat level was sky high, 
And all the police intelligence were telling them that there was no threat level. In an interesting side note I found revealing, as soon as all the trucks had gone, the police were instructed specifically to deal with profanity on flags being carried on Parliament Hill. This just coincidentally happened to be when the F. Trudeau flags had become very popular during the trucker protest. I personally didn't like it because it makes an ad hominem argument rather than sticking with the ideas at issue. I don't care how mean the person is. If he comes up with an idea, it could still be a good idea. And regardless of how wonderful the person is who says the idea, it can still be a stupid idea. So I prefer to deal with arguing against the government policy as opposed to a particular person. Apparently this instruction came from the Prime Minister's office. But it struck me, how narcissistic do you have to be to do that? Unfortunate for him, Trudeau couldn't get any law like that passed or policy passed in England so that the following week when he went to visit the British Prime Minister's residence, there were so many of those flags in front of 10 Downing Street that he had to be escorted in the back way. Granted, the flags may be in poor taste, but does anyone really believe that if the opposition party leader's name was on those flags, anything would have been done about it? As a matter of fact, there was another protest on Parliament Hill a couple of weeks later in support of Ukraine. Many of the signs there could also be considered obscene and offensive. But to no one's surprise, this time the police weren't enforcing this rule when there was F. Putin signs. So who should get to decide what is obscene and offensive? Which political side you're on certainly shouldn't determine what is offensive and what isn't. But we're starting to see this, not only in governments, but also in corporations and crackdowns in various social media. Obviously, the legislature pillar of democracy is only supposed to be used for the benefit of all, or at least a significant portion of the population, not to cater to one guy's personal feelings. Which leads me to wonder about the federal internet censorship bill, C-11, that has passed the House of Commons and now has just passed the Senate with some recommended amendments. But it does not seem to bode well for proponents of freedom of speech. Which brings me to what can we as citizens do about it? And as Christians, what insights have we been given on how we can approach these sorts of things? Jesus and Paul's teaching is simple. Be loving, but don't compromise God's principles. In Romans 13, it says to submit to the government. And the government at the time was ruled by a Caesar in Rome, who was not necessarily a particularly nice guy. So submitting to government doesn't mean that when a court told Peter or Paul to stop preaching Jesus, they just said, okay. 
Jesus made some interesting suggestions on how to deal with the Roman occupying army. It was legal for a Roman soldier to be able to require that a bystander carry his stuff for one mile. This was the law that they were having to live under. So what does Jesus say? You have to carry his stuff for one mile, carry it for one mile, and then carry it for a second mile that you offer of your own free will. So now you are not just being a, basically a slave and doing his bidding, but now it's more like you're doing him a favor. You're doing it an extra mile that he is not able to make you do. So of your own free will, you are helping him out. So it's sort of like now he owes you one. So this completely changes the power dynamic. And again, Jesus was not trying to overthrow the government in a mass uh, rebellion. He was doing this one by one. As we deal with individuals, we can get them to look at things from a different perspective. So this was a way of forcing the Roman soldier to think about, what is this Christian guy doing? Why is he doing this? What's going on here? Likewise, when Jesus says to turn the other cheek, let's look specifically at what he says. If you are struck on the right cheek, now assuming most people are right-handed, to hit you on the right cheek, that means that he has to come across your body and slap you with the back of his hand on the right cheek. That's not a punch in the face. That's an insult. So if someone is abusing their power over you, insulting you, which of course the Roman government officials and soldiers were freely able to do, then this is the approach that Jesus recommends. Again, it's more of a jujitsu principle of using the attacker's momentum against him using his power that he has to knock him off balance. Because when you turn the other cheek and say, that's okay, you can, you can continue to insult me. It's not going to change what I'm doing. He has to take a step back and think about what he's, what he's doing. Maybe that'll be an epiphany for him, an aha moment where he sees the light and converts Maybe not, but at least you have changed the power dynamic in that moment for yourself, where he's thrown a little off balance and has to rethink what he's doing and why, and how he's going to approach this strange guy who doesn't take insults the way normal people do. So when we're approached with demagoguery or abuse of power, let's ask Holy Spirit, on our feet at that moment, how can we find that creative middle ground that doesn't compromise the truth and can change the atmosphere? Whatever calling God has put on your heart, remember that he will see you through it. God is faithful to complete the good work in you that he started. So continue to go out there and walk in truth and love. 
If you are presenting your body as a living sacrifice and allowing Holy Spirit to transform your mind, congratulations. You are integrating your spirit, mind, and body, strengthening yourself to overcome evil with good. Please leave a rating for the show and hit subscribe to be notified of new fascinating topics I'll be discussing next on Earth as it is in Heaven. Until next time, may God bless you and make you a blessing to those around you.